2021 supply chain disaster is a complicated journey that has American parents preparing for a Christmas tree with no presents underneath. Even Kid Rock, with all of his power and money and talent, might find that his commemorative Kyle Rittenhouse tin of Copenhagen intended for his 10-year-old daughter's Christmas stocking, might not arrive on time. Let's look at the economics behind the 2021 supply chain disaster and tell a few poop jokes. This is the season one finale of Dumb People with Terrible Ideas. I'm your host, Eric Gray. What happens when a group of college-educated, technology-crazed dimwits get their hands on streamlining an entire supply chain industry that depends on trucks and trains and ships and such? Chaos, that's what. These are people that have job titles like Incubation Master or Lead Thought Generator. Young people, damn near children, really, who drop phrases like limited bandwidth and think outside the box. They always hit the ground running, giving 110%. Skilled at right-sizing the low-hanging fruit. And once these over-educated idiots got their soft, uncalloused hands in the guts of a worldwide industry spanning every continent, they simply followed the instinct they had before college, before puberty even. No degree is necessary to follow this raw instinct that every mammal has from the bushes of Africa to the depths of the Atlantic, which is, fuck them. I want more. Today we're going to look at how in post-war Japan, Toyota helped to create one of the smartest production systems that we have, named Just-In-Time. Just-In-Time manufacturing is one of several management techniques that has screwed up the supply chain. This management strategy encourages manufacturers to not keep any extra inventory, since warehouses are expensive and instead manufacture a product only when it is needed. There's never a rainy day emergency stash of widgets because the business just creates a widget whenever they need a widget. It's an approach that doesn't work with computer chips or lung ventilators or any number of crucial things needed in reserve in case of a sudden emergency. Just-in-time manufacturing is like a child saying, I can play video games till 2 a.m. because I'll wake up early and get all my chores done before school. Not only is that stupid kid damning himself to fail all of his chores, he's going to wake up late and get to school, well, if he's fortunate, just-in-time. And that's what just-in-time manufacturing is. There's no slack. There's no time to spare. The goal of just-in-time manufacturing is to make the supply chain profitable, not effective. 
Things are created when they are needed. There's no backup plan. There's no safety nets. Just like when Charlie Sheen left that TV show that one time. And these recently graduated Chief Inspiration Officers with an online certificate from the University of Phoenix believe that this saves money, but it results in a real economic titty twister. It's manufacturing dictated by catchphrase enthusiasts with an accounting degree or a technology degree instead of seasoned manufacturers that know their own business like the back of their own hand. Newly hired empty heads that add and subtract rather than listen and learn. These are the folks that preach just-in-time manufacturing, solely to juice up profits by removing redundancies. It's like a race car with the seat belts removed and the roll cage removed all to reduce weight and move quickly and it outperforms all the other race cars until something goes wrong and the race car's wheels fly off because no one had just a couple extra lug nuts in reserve somewhere. It's going to take 10 days to offload the 6,200 containers on this ship alone. But the time it takes to get that cargo to its final destination will be determined by other potential choke points. Let's imagine a hypothetical product that absolutely doesn't exist. Like, let's say, truck nuts. These are decorative fake steel testicles that are bought by fans of comedian and future Nobel Prize for astrophysics winner Larry the Cable Guy to hang on the trailer hitch of their gas-guzzling Ford F-150 pussy wagon. The steel for these hypothetical truck nuts is provided by China and shipped to a manufacturer in Germany to be molten and molded and cooled so that every vein and every wrinkle on both testicles are as realistic as possible. Then these hypothetical truck nuts are shipped to the United States via boat where they are packaged in paper and cardboard in a sweatshop in Tampa, Florida and delivered to truck stops, pool halls and Joe Rogan's house. So we're talking about three steps, China, Germany, and the United States. So yeah, it's crazy to manufacture truck nuts in three different countries. I agree, because it's the most American product ever Americaned by Americans. But it's cheaper this way, even if any shipment that is delayed anywhere in China, Germany, or America causes every shipment to be delayed everywhere because truck nuts have to be manufactured in a certain specific order. But if the supply chain requires three or six or 60 different countries to manufacture the parts of a specific product in a specific order, and any delay in one step of the process delays every step in the process that comes after, what happens when that delay comes and there's no surplus product in a warehouse somewhere? 
you're fucked. An entire nation could be deprived of truck nuts due to supply chain slowdowns, resulting in a national tragedy of uncertainty of when these nuts will show up. So the answer is to manufacture right here in America, right? Well, that's a good idea, until you realize that American workers demand a decent wage and health care. And in other countries, 70% of the world's poor live on less than $2.50 a day. So you can see where we're headed. It's cheaper to hire slave labor in China or Indonesia and spend excessive money to ship it here because Americans would rather pay for expensive international shipping than pay for expensive American workers. The alternative? Well, we could pay decent wages to the factory next door in Indiana that could literally create those truck nuts and then walk said truck nuts to your home 10 minutes later. This screwing of American workers, however, it's not personal. It's business. What's up, Rebels? Sean Ogle of Location Rebel on location, Canna Beach, Oregon. And today, we're going to talk about how to manufacture a product in China. I get asked for advice all the time on how to actually make a physical product. And fortunately for you, I'm with one of my best friends, Nick Ramil, who happens to be a total expert in that. Americans believe that outsourcing our manufacturing to China over the past three decades is a dastardly Chinese plan for world domination. But it's not the Chinese. It's us simply doing what Americans always do. Letting those that have money exploit those that don't have money. You see, the rich businesses in America, they realized long ago that if given a choice, they'd rather pay more for shipping than labor. Shipping can be, you know, standardized, put on a schedule, tracked throughout a deliberate process in a way that workers simply cannot. And since we'd rather deal with logistics between countries, delivering crucial goods for thousands of miles, rather than dealing with health benefits for a pregnant American worker who might be off the production line for two months, America has fully committed to the transportation thing and not the manufacturing in America thing. Because America has laws about workers' rights that China simply does not. Millions of tons of oil, millions of tons of manufactured goods, you know, millions of containers, oh, hundreds, thousands of containers are going through the canal um, in, in any given week. And so a prolonged closure would mean that there would be ships stacking up both in the Mediterranean and in the Red Sea, essentially at anchor, arriving at anchor. In 2021, the Suez Canal, one of the world's busiest international supply routes, became blocked on multiple occasions, like a Facebook stalker trying to hawk multi-level marketing makeup products. 
The Suez Canal was shut down for a span of six days that felt more like six centuries by a ship the size of a horizontal skyscraper, bringing the entire global trade industry to a screeching halt. More than 400 motherfucking ships were stuck on both sides of this fucked up topsy-turvy ship show. And they stayed there immobile for so long that the ships were forced to offload their goods there at the shore of the Suez Canal, exactly where the goods didn't belong. The Suez Canal became the shipping container capital of the world. But those containers, which are expensive and heavy and hard to move, were all where they weren't supposed to be. So the backup in the Suez Canal eventually was fixed, but the shipping containers were stuck there. And to get them back into circulation at the ports they were supposed to be is, again, it's expensive because now you're not hauling anything in the containers. And the ships are not doing their regular routes either because they're just ocean Ubering empty containers instead of transporting actual consumer goods. Overseas shipping prices have exploded. The price for shipping by boat has increased 300% in the past six months. The cost of renting a shipping container has quadrupled. Every company whose goods are time sensitive or perishable has switched to air freight, which has also tripled in cost and is backlogged to a week or more for overnight service. If shipping were going any slower, it'd be going backwards. And with the Delta variant and the Omicron variant and the refusal of some folks to get vaccinated, there aren't enough workers at the port to unload everything anyways. We're sort of stupid and don't understand what the supply cri- supply chain crisis is. I worked at that White House for four years. We never well, even heard of such a thing. There was no supply chain crisis. That's Kelly Ann Conway a person with the engaging charisma of the baby in train spotting, arguing that there were no supply chain issues under Donald Trump. Yes, yes there was. Toilet paper was gone for two months. Antibacterial cleaners disappeared for an entire season. Bottled water, flour, pasta, all missing from store shelves for weeks. You still can't get a PlayStation 5, and that's been out for a year. And the supply chain disaster isn't really Trump's fault or Biden's fault. It's all tied to a global pandemic that makes a million-mile-long supply chain subject to the whims of every government sweatshop in third-world countries that had a dozen of their exploited child laborers die due to COVID-19 and a transportation system that values not keeping extra inventory. And the train thing. We gotta talk about this train thing. Precision scheduled railroading is another management strategy that is as useless as hen shit on a pump handle. 
This terrible idea was created in the dumb 1990s, a decade so stupid we thought Bill Cosby was sweet and that Keanu Reeves was the creepy one. In the 90s, precision scheduled railroading began to be adopted throughout the world. In this system, freight train schedules were standardized to a fixed schedule instead of running whenever the train became filled. A fixed schedule helps railroads lower costs, employ less employees, and allows for their trains to serve as locations for the climax of romantic movies starring Nicolas Cage. But it prevents a railroad from speeding up delivery because, hey man, this route only runs once a day at midnight, and that's whether it's completely full or damn near empty. And because sometimes, yeah, the the trains are half empty, but they leave the station anyway, the schedulers just learn to reschedule those half-empty routes, not once a day, but once every two or three days going forward, or once a week even, resulting in very long trains with a ton of overflowing railroad cars, traveling much less often with fewer employees. You know, slowing down and screwing over both the consumer and the supplier for maximum cost-cutting purposes. Precision scheduled railroading increased profits, increased stock prices, but made it impossible to adapt to sudden changes. Exactly like just-in-time manufacturing. We standardized the size of shipping containers to optimize their usage on trains and ships. Along with precision scheduled railroading and just-in-time manufacturing, but we didn't standardize living conditions for the people that create the products. And yes, shipping is very expensive. But if you outsource truck nuts to China and their child labor factories offering low wages, long hours, and no benefits, then slang those truck nuts over to Germany to create the realistic ball hair and testicle ridges, and then haul them nuts to the US of A, it's cheaper. And this hypothetical three-country manufacturing hee-haw circle jerk is made possible because labor is cheaper than the shipping is expensive. And there's really no downside except, except for an 18,000 mile long supply chain. And as long as transportation stays dependable and sweatshop workers across the world don't die during a pandemic, then well, then it's all good. Imagine that the supply chain is like a dog being walked on a million mile leash. Everything that dog does, sniffing plants, chasing cars, humping the mailman's leg, everything affects the dog, but also the leash which stretches from here to China and Germany, but it also affects you, the person holding it in America that's being jerked around to and fro because this damn dog won't just walk 
consistently. And when the leash breaks, you won't know until it's way too late. Happy anniversary, COVID-19. Why are you still here in my life? Corona, I didn't think you'd stay so long. I've had enough. Take the hint, it's time to say bye, Corona. Yeah, I've gotten fat since you came. Nothing's mattered. No school and work from home while I bake sourdough starter and cry. COVID-19. In 2020, companies fired staff during a period of decreased consumer demand. A year later, with the world sort of working again, the staff they tossed aside a year ago refused to return to work now, and the few staff that remain are exhausted. Ships can't be unloaded fast enough. It's dangerous work with low pay. There's a shortage of truck drivers. They've been screwed over so many times, the job sucks, they quit, or more likely, refuse to come back after they were laid off a year ago. Capitalism, constant profit-seeking, has real costs for society. America's problem is not enough stuff made soon enough not enough stuff available to send immediately, and not enough ships and trains and trucks and workers to move any stuff. Yeah, it's not just the ports, and it's not just the trucks or the trains. It's that we manufacture stuff in third world countries. One second, you're taking a nice double tapered dump. COVID-19 hits, and two minutes later, you're punching out grannies at the local dollar store for the last remaining Charmin. We need to start manufacturing locally again, because this, this is fucking insane. Who could have possibly foreseen a global pandemic like COVID-19? Literally every expert, economist, and government across the globe. We've been warned for years that something like COVID-19 was on the horizon. As it turns out, they were right, and a failure to breathe may in fact lead to a failure to produce things. Many things, complicated things like little microchips in factories run by people who need to breathe to show up to work. A failure to produce microchips leads to a failure to produce, well, damn near everything. And a failure to produce damn near everything leads to little Timmy buying a PlayStation 5 on eBay for $1,200. It's a snake eating its own tail, but the snake is peak capitalism, and the tail is the average consumer taxpayer. As the supply chain shit continues to flow downhill, rest assured that you will become aware of the disastrous fuck-ups of college Chad Thundercock douchebags that became manufacturing experts because they memorized the always-be-closing speech from Glengarry Glen Ross after they impregnated a business tycoon's daughter during Pledge Week. The impact? Well, your kid might not get America's hottest toy for Christmas. 
and mom might not get a tank of gas for her car. I know I keep going back to the PlayStation, but people have been struggling since the launch of the PlayStation 5 to get their hands on one. You can see that, sure, but it's also happening for basic necessities or critical parts for things like medical equipment, which you don't see. This supply chain disaster is an issue that spans over every industry. Some high schools can't order printer paper without a two-month-long wait. Don't break your car's windshield because Ford has had glass on back order for several months. There's just no redundancy or leeway whatsoever, and the system cannot handle any shock. Apple lost $6 billion in the third quarter of 2021 because of supply chain disruption. Hasbro lost $100 million in the third quarter of 2021 because the supply chain nightmare made it impossible to fulfill their orders. Walmart stopped doing layaway for the first time since forever because they can't sacrifice their limited stock to a storage room to keep safe for broke people because then Walmart wouldn't have anything on their shelves. And as the supply chain backs up, with scarce goods in strange and unexpected places, it creates opportunity for robbery and theft. Over $5 million worth of products were stolen in California shipyards during the third quarter of 2021, a surge of about 42% from a year ago. LA Port Police told us last week they saw a ship out here completely filled with only Walmart containers as these big companies are now chartering their own boats. John Moreau is an expert in logistics. He represents a Chinese manufacturer. He's got about seven ships on the water right now. He says any boat, no matter how old it is, that can carry a container is being used. Meanwhile, in the fall of 2021, 67 huge container ships were still stuck off of the coast of Los Angeles because of the supply chain disruption caused by COVID-19 and that asshole ship that got stuck in the Suez Canal. There's no one to unload the ships, there's no truckers to deliver it, and the railroad is still chugging along doing only once-every-week deliveries to a nation starved of product. It's tough to live in the age of COVID-19. We can't move, work, survive, or hook up with randos on plenty of fish without worrying about our safety, our future, and our health. It becomes even tougher when we can't get the necessary goods that we need to survive and thrive. Cars, cell phones, truck nuts, they're all bollocked up by a lengthy supply chain that is too long, too fragile, and too overmanaged by geeks with a degree in techno speak. America has to start manufacturing in America again. We can't outsource critical items to places that are continents away with the hope that they will quickly find their way back to our shores because they haven't and they won't. Hey, thanks for listening to the season finale. 
of season one of Dumb People with Terrible Ideas on the 2021 Supply Chain Disaster. This podcast is produced and performed by Eric Gray. So I'm working on the second season. I'll have updates soon. I'll tell you when we're going to premiere it, how you can be a part of it. And you can even go to the website at ericexplains.com for more details. Meanwhile, Big Daddy's going to take a little break. See you back soon for season two. Stay safe and thanks for listening.